0: Christ is risen! He's risen indeed. Amen. What a, what a uh, celebratory spirit there is in this place. Really appreciate all of you uh, being here. I'm Greg Boyd. and the senior pastor of Woodland Hills uh, Church. Um, I'm really glad to be here. I missed Good Friday service. I hear it was great. I, I wish I could have been there. But here's a story, a little, little, little piece of the story here. Uh, you know, about four weeks ago, I was down in Mexico. Screwed up my toe really bad, almost cut it off. Got it stitched up wonderfully. Took, pain, uh, took uh, uh, some antibiotics, thought I was out of the woods. Come Thursday, I get this staph infection. And it was nasty, it was gooey, it was pussy, it was bad. So I went to the doctor, and he sent me to the emergency room, and they put me in the hospital, and that's where I was. Now, that made yesterday's service a little bit interesting, because I was telling them if I can't make it Friday night, I at least have to make it Saturday night, because this is Easter weekend, and I really want to preach the sermon. And uh, they were saying, okay, well, we'll get a pass for you, you know, to get out of here, and it'll be fine. I did an MRI. I went through an MRI on Friday. They want to make sure they didn't have any uh, bone infection. And so I did the MRI, but they tell you when you do an MRI, don't move and in this case don't wiggle a toe have you ever tried that don't wiggle your toe for the next 40 minutes it's torture it's like every obsessive compulsive bone in my body wanted to wiggle that toe it was torture and there's a few times where my toe would just involuntarily go so they tell me saturday morning they got to do it over again and they couldn't schedule till 2. Now, I got to be here at 5 for the service, so I scheduled at 2. And to make sure I don't jiggle my toes, they gave me Valium. <laughs> a big dose. And that was on top of the painkillers I already had to take care of the pain. Uh, so I, I finally get the thing wrapped up, and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, and I'm still putting together my sermon at 4 o'clock on Valium while the doctor's trying to explain to me this stuff. My wife brought me a quadruple espresso to try to sober up. <laughs> uh, so between the Valium and the Painkillers and the Espresso, we had a fun service last night. It was <laughs> I don't remember what I preached on, but I was told that it was halfway coherent. So. And so it's good to be here this morning, slightly more sober. I'm still on the pain meds, but uh, life is good, and I'm just glad to be with the people of God, and the Spirit of God is in this place. Amen. Amen. Before I get into the message, I want to say a brief word of prayer here. Lord, I thank you for every person in this auditorium and every person who's listening uh, through their iPods, uh, all of our listeners. I pray blessing on, on every ear that's hearing this and every mind that's absorbing this and every heart that's receiving this. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd use this word to free us to live in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ Woo! with all of the benefits that that entails. Holy Spirit, just take my words and use them for your glory to build your kingdom in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. I want to title this message, No Fear. I maybe should have entitled it, I was going to title it, No Angst, which I've always pronounced angst. And every professor I've ever sat under pronounced it angst, but I was told this morning that in Minnesota it's pronounced angst. So I'll try to remember to pronounce it angst instead of angst. Thank you, Becky, for that lovely insight. <laughs> but see, uh, angst is a kind of fear, but it's not like a terrorized fear. It's, it, it includes a sense of dread or anxiety, nervousness, a sense of empty, a, emptiness, a sense of sometimes of desperation, angst. So when I say no fear, I mean all of that. And if we understand the resurrection and its power, we're going to see that we can walk free from this. Now, to start off, I'm not going to go right to Scripture. I'll go to Scripture here in a little bit, halfway through the message. But I want to start by uh, going at what I think is... When you think of Easter, you know, there's a lot of songs that come to mind. Uh, You know, a lot of obvious songs. Christ the Lord is Risen Today and Crown Him with Many Crowns and things like that. But the most obvious song that's associated with Easter, obviously, is Pink Floyd's Time (laughs) from the Dark Side of the Moon. And so I want you to listen very carefully to the song listen taking away the moments that make up the day I would like to play this whole song, but the irony is, we don't have the time. <laughs> but listen to these lyrics. So you run and you run to catch up with the sun, but it's sinking, racing around to come up behind you again. Now the sun is the same in the relative way, but you're older, shorter of breath, and one day closer to death. Every year is getting shorter, never seem to find the time. Plans that either come to naught or half a page of scribbled lines. Hanging on in quiet desperation is the English way. The time is gone. The song is over. Thought I would something more to say. That is one great song. (laughs) That album is the best album of all time, I just might say. I got bad news and I got good news today, all right? Uh, And first we're going to do the bad news. The bad news is that Pink Floyd totally nails it. This song just so brilliantly captures a almost universal sense of life. When you're young, life is long, and there is time to kill today. But then one day you find that 10 years has got behind you. No one told you when to run. You missed the starting gun. And every year is getting shorter. Do you find that to be true? If you're under 30, maybe not. Just wait. Every year gets shorter and shorter. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, several weeks ago, or it might have been several months ago, or it could have been a year ago because I don't know any longer. <laughs> Time just flies so fast. But Shelley said to me, you know, we... we uh, ought to do something for Trevor's fourth anniversary of living with us. Trevor's the guy that you saw on the slide there doing the interview. He's one of our youth pastors. He's sitting right up here. Well, Trevor's been living with us for four years. We thought it was going to be four weeks, but he's kind of a freeloader, so, you know, what do you do? You know, it's like... So, uh, yeah, shut up. No heckling in the crowd. And I said to him, it can't possibly be four years. I remember the day he moved in like it was yesterday. That can't be four years. Do you have that happening to you? My daughter's sitting here. She's 26 years old. That is impossible. It's absolutely impossible. My grandson's already two. That's impossible. Time just flies with ever-increasing speed. Sometimes it feels to me like I'm in a train, and the train is picking up speed all the time. You look out the window of this train, and there's a picket fence, and it just goes by faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And the only thing you know for sure is that you're going to hit a brick wall, but you don't know when, and then you're going to die. Hallelujah, that's life. <laughs> A one-way train picking up ever-increasing speed, running into a brick wall, but you don't know where that wall is. That is life. Or sometimes it feels like life and time is like sand just pouring through your hands with ever-increasing velocity, and you can't grab hold of a single grain. You want to freeze a moment. You want to freeze this now. You want to slow it down. You want to capture it, but it's gone. By the time you squish it, it's gone. Time is like that. It goes faster and faster. Every moment, with every grain of sand that passes through us, with every little piece of that picket fence we pass, we're getting closer to the wall. We're getting closer to death. In fact, the whole process of getting there is a process of death. We're in the process of dying. We run and we run to catch up with the sun, but it's sinking and racing around to come up behind you again. Capture that metaphor. You're chasing the sun, but it's always ahead of you, and it's always sinking. The sun is the same in an Einsteinian relative kind of way, but you're older, shorter of breath, and one day closer to death. Folks, I told you we're going to have bad news here at the start, and we're all dying. We're all dying. If you're over 19, you're going to be losing more cells than you create, and there's only so much repair your, your system can do to the damage that the world creates on it, and we're all in the process of dying. And 18-year-olds, don't go feeling too cocky right now because one more year, you'll be dying with the rest of us. (laughs) You know, Scott Abbott's a good friend of mine. He preached a message here a little bit ago. Um, He uh, sang in the choir today. He'll be leading worship uh, sometime in the future. Uh, He is a man who's in in a wheelchair here and has a great singing and teaching ministry. He's got muscular dystrophy. In the last 20 years, he's had to watch himself lose the use of his legs and then slowly lose the use of his arms and his body is just in a state of atrophy. We had a conversation several weeks or several months ago, I don't know anymore, uh, (laughs) some time ago, and in that conversation I said something which I want to share with all of us. I think it's true and it's just this. The only difference between Scott and the rest of us is that he's at a slightly accelerated pace of atrophy. We're all winding down, we're all wearing out. And if you can come to grips with that, it's actually kind of fascinating when you turn about 50. The stuff your body does is really weird this is new back in the old days you always, you know, you'd wake up with aches and pains but you knew why I, you, know, you, you got hit by a car or you ran a marathon or you played football or something turning 50 means your body doesn't need to give you a why I woke up the other day it was Wednesday just before my toe got infected what a great week I've had and my elbow wasn't working it was like Ow. it was like really sore to extend it and I couldn't grab anything and it's still kind of sore Now, I didn't lift anything. I didn't, you know, bump it. I didn't bruise it. I didn't abuse it. You know, maybe I slept on it wrong. Ooh. And this thing's not working. What is up with that? Back in the good old days, I could eat food and not worry about it. Those days are gone. No, I would just chew and swallow. It was pretty simple, actually. Now I have to chew it especially fine because otherwise it gets caught in my ever-shrinking esophagus. I didn't know what esophagus was until it started shrinking. It, it's, it's crazy. I used to be able to run literally 100 miles. And now I run three miles and my back starts whining. You know, what's, what's up with that? And if you're over 50, you know what I'm talking about. Have you discovered that, that you grunt a lot? I started noticing this like two years ago. You get in the car, ugh. You get out of the car, oh. I don't even bother to pick up quarters anymore. It's like, well leave it. <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> Pretty soon it's gonna go up to dollars. I, I you know, it's just not worth it. There's all this grunting. Get out of bed. <sighs> but then when you go to bed, oh <sighs> Now, don't get me wrong, I'm still a super stud. Anyone who knows me will tell you that. I'm, I, I'm ahead of most 20-year-olds, but even I am in a state of decay. We're all in a state of atrophy. We're all dying. You look in the mirror, and there's always a new wrinkle. Uh, there's, you're losing your muscle tone. There's, there's a new sag. There's a new bag. There's more gut, and there's more butt. And, you, you know, just, uh, uh. and there's that horrifying moment when you look in the mirror, and it's like, my gosh, I look like My father. Or my mother, and you vowed you would never look like your father or mother. That horrifying realization about a year ago put me on a new plan of exercise and eating right. I'll tell you, I just, I, no offense, Dad, but I didn't, I never liked your body. He always, uh, so we're dying physically, okay? But we're, we're dying in other ways too. In case you don't have enough bad news, I'll give you more. We're dying in other ways too. I was reading a philosopher last year, a Jewish f- philosopher in the first century named Philo. He was very influential uh, on the thinkers of the early church in some negative ways, I I believe. But he said some wise and profound things. And one of the things he said that I I found that I really liked is this. He said, every day we die. We die every day. And what he meant by that is this. Every day there's a multitude of possibilities that we pass by, that we have to pass by because we're finite beings. And most of those possibilities are irretrievably gone. We can't ever get them again. We die to possibilities. Life is a process of doors closing, possibilities closing. And the final closing is death, the cessation of all possibilities. When they close the casket, all possibilities cease. Life is a process of foregoing possibilities, of having doors close on you. Once upon a time, I could have been, perhaps, a really good drummer. I was heading in that direction. Once upon a time, uh, I maybe could have been an Olympic long-distance runner. I was thinking about that, trying for that. Once upon a time, there's various romantic relationships that I could have pursued. Once upon a time, I had to make this decision. At the last moment, do I go into philosophy or do I go into theology? And I, 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 I could have gone either way, but I chose theology. My life took a different course. That I got on a different train. Of all the women I could have married, I chose Shelley, And what a great choice that was. And if you think there's really all that many other candidates yeah, I, I got a bridge to sell you but i'm saying i could have pursued a few other uh, possibilities but see the train goes in one direction and it keeps speeding up and and, and you, you can't uh, turn it back and the possibilities close with every choice we make uh, maybe once upon a time your marriage was salvageable but now for various reasons perhaps it's not uh, that marriage is dead and you have to die to it once upon a time you could have been a model but now you can't once upon a time maybe you could have gone to grad school you thought about doing that but now maybe for various reasons that that window of opportunity is closed once upon a time perhaps you could have been a rock star but now that possibility is behind you once upon a time maybe you could have been that missionary to Tanzania like you thought about but for various reasons perhaps now that possibility is gone once upon a time maybe you could have married your high school sweetheart but now she's already married and you're already married so you need to die to that possibility. Life goes on and possibilities close. We have to die to those possibilities. Some people pretend that that's not true. Some people try to pretend that the train can go in reverse. They live in what Bruce Springsteen called our, your glory days. You know, those folks are always talking about, remember when and remember that time. Watch October Road if you want to see some people who are really messed up in this area. I, you know, they can't let go of the past. I was a football star back then. Oh, if only the coach had put me in in the fourth quarter. I could have, I, I could have been something. We could have went to state. Yada, yada, yada. Living in those glory days. It's kind of sad. They, they, they miss the now. Life is always in the now. Even sadder are those people who don't just pretend like the train can go in reverse. They try to make the train go in reverse. Maybe they regret the train they got on. It's not really taking them to the destination they wanted. And so they try to resurrect those past possibilities that are really behind them. And so they try to go back to the high school, sweetheart, and they try to act like they're still 19, 50 going on 19. You know the story. It's called a midlife crisis. And at best, people who get involved in this look silly, and at worst, they can do some incredible damage trying to make the train go in reverse. The reality is the train is going in one direction and it's picking up speed and there's no slowdown button, there's no stop button, and there certainly is no reverse button. It's the train of death and decay. (laughs) That's a great sermon. Man, 10 minutes ago, I was really happy. (laughs) Hang on. You don't appreciate the good news until you get the bad news. The train of death and decay, and it affects us all. And all of us experience in one form or another this thing I'm calling angst. It's a form of fear. It's what Pink Floyd was referring to as quiet desperation. And it's not just the English way. We all kind of go through life in quiet desperation. You realize the train is picking up speed one day perhaps, or you realize that the sand is going through your hands. And you realize that life seems to be passing you by and you just can't stop it. And that creates a sense of angst, a sense of desperation, a sense of anxiety inside of you. Maybe you contemplate the reality of hitting that wall and how fragile life is. You're driving and all of a sudden you realize if I turned a quarter of an inch, I would be dead. And then all of a sudden occurs to you that if anybody turned their steering wheel a quarter of an inch, you might be dead. Our lives are so precarious. And you realize that when that moment comes, you've got to go through that tunnel of death all by yourself. No one can go there with you. And in your worldview, perhaps you don't know what's on the other side. Maybe in your worldview, there's nothingness on the other side, and that creates fear in you. There's a sense of angst, anxiety, worry, despair about that. Or maybe you wake up one day and you look in the mirror and you have to admit to yourself that at least by the world's standards, you're not as pretty as you used to be. You're not the drop-dead gorgeous gal you used to be. You're not the hunk you used to be. You're not as vibrant as you used to be, as strong as you used to be, as sexy as you used to be, as quick-witted and as funny as you used to be, or as popular as you used to be. The thought occurs to you that maybe you've had your 15 minutes in the sun. And that sense of loss can create a, a sense of angst, despair. Fear, worry. Maybe at some point you realize the dreams that you had, so many dreams, many of them at least, you're not going to see happen. The dreams are gone. Ten years have got behind you. You kept waiting for someone or something to show you the way. You thought something would happen that would make a difference, and it never, never took place. You were going to be somebody. You were going to accomplish some things. You were going to change the world. You were going to fall in love and have a marriage like nobody else. You were going to be extraordinary. And now maybe you're in a situation where attaining ordinary would be a great accomplishment. Those great plans have either come to naught or amounted just a half a page of scribbled lines. And now maybe you're in a situation where it seems that the time is almost gone and the song is almost over. And you really thought you'd have something more to say. You didn't plan on your life being this trivial. You thought it would be fuller. You longed for a fullness of life. And the absence of that creates angst, a sense of alienation, anxiety, fear, despair. We deal with this angst in different ways. A lot of people just try to distract themselves from it. it. In fact, in America, I think this is the number one way of dealing with angst, fear, dread, despair. We throw ourselves into stuff. A lot of people, they intentionally live their lives shallow. If I just don't think about my life, well, then I can stay at least less miserable than I would otherwise be. So they try to tone it, tune it out. They watch a lot of TV, hours of TV a day. A lot of people do this. And they pour themselves into these various shows and sitcoms and, or what have you. And uh, they really get invested in the characters because by being invested in the characters, they're sort of vicariously living. And, and by talking about them and, and thinking about the next show, it gives their life a sense of fullness. It, makes, it creates the illusion that something important is going on when really what's all that's going on is the train is picking up speed and sand is going through their hands. But this way they don't even notice it. It's a sad situation. Other people try to distract themselves by getting inappropriately invested in sports or, or by having sexual escapades or by being thrill seekers. Some way of taking our mind off of this train, taking our mind off of the the sand that's flowing through our fingers. Other people try to numb the pain, either through booze or through medication or through drugs. Some people try to fight the relentless march of time and the the sense of meaninglessness by pouring themselves into work. This is how we get workaholics. One of the ways we get workaholics. And this can distract them from the sand that's slipping through their hands, but it also gives the illusion that they're doing something significant. They're achieving things. They're making money. They're getting bigger houses and all that other kind of stuff that Americans like to chase. Other people try to fight the relentless march of time and the relentless process of decay by ferociously trying to stay young. And I'm all for trying to, you know, be as healthy as you can and as vibrant and as youthful as you can. Yes, don't don't you know don't don't acquiesce before you have to. But on the other hand, I mean some people are like have this phobia about every sign of aging. And I, I feel sorry for some celebrities. Honestly, you you know I'm talking about, Uh, you know, there's, after the seventh plastic surgery in your face, sometimes you look at it and says, who are you? It's like, you know, you would look way better if you had your old face with its wrinkles than you do now without wrinkles. I mean, when your eyes are now looking at the ceiling, it's like, okay, too much. Yeah. So many people look like their faces in a perpetual hurricane wind tunnel. You expect their forehead to ripple open if they smile or something. It's like, ah, that's not natural. You know, let it go. Let it go. Flow with this thing here. And they know on some level they're fighting a losing battle and it creates angst, angst in them, fear and dread. And some people, some people just get paralyzed. It's the, 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 the thought of the, the train and the wall and the sand going through their fingers. And it, it, it creates a paralysis. And they just cling. Like they like freeze. They try to cling on to stuff. They live in the the fear of the death. What they feel is the death of financial ruin, so they cling to their possessions. They live in the fear of losing a a loved one, so they they cling to their loved ones. These people can become control freaks. They they fear the death of losing their health or their possessions. Some people fear the death of failure because to fail would expose uh, their life, in their mind at least, that they really are the losers that they fear being. Better not to get that exposed, so they fear uh, uh, any kind of failure. These are folks who never take risks. They never venture out. They always live life in the middle of the road, in the safe zone. They fear relationships. They fear doing anything extraordinary. Security is their God. And it's their way of dealing with angst. It's their way of dealing with this dread and despair that is almost a universal human phenomenon. We all experience angst. We all deal with it in different ways. That was the bad news. Want more? (laughs) Let's move on. Somebody back there is getting out a knife. (laughs) You better give me some good news quick. Okay, look at good news. The good news is not that you're not going to die because you are. Uh, If the Lord doesn't come back and establish his kingdom, which he very might well in our generation, but if that doesn't happen, you're going to die. In fact, if that doesn't happen, you're going to continue to decay. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that's not going to happen, it's going to happen. The good news, the Easter news, is that if we understand and internalize the message of the resurrection, you can be completely free of angst. You can be completely fear of that dread, anxiety, fear over that whole thing. If you understand the resurrection, in fact, as we'll see here in a moment, you can embrace it. As something that God can use for good. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter two. This isn't usually seen as a uh, Easter text, but I, I'm going to argue that it really is. It says here, since the children, referring to human beings, have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery. How? By their fear of death, their angst. Okay, three things about this passage we need to see. First, the one who holds the power of death is the devil which tells us that death and this process of decay was not part of God's original beautiful plan. It is the result of the, the, the fact that this world has been seized by principalities and powers that corrupt everything in this world. And the reason we have this angst, this fear, this dread and anxiety about death and the, and the death process, this decay process that we're all a part of, the reason we fear that. It's because it's not natural to us. It's an alien intrusion in this creation. We weren't supposed to be this way. We weren't ever supposed to die like this. We weren't supposed to experience life as a dying process. We weren't supposed to experience aging the way we experience aging. We weren't supposed to, see our bodies withering away. We weren't supposed to experience time as irretrievable loss. We weren't supposed to experience the emptiness of unfulfilled dreams. We weren't, we weren't, we weren't supposed to live in the insecurity of loss or in the fear of failure. This is all alien to the way we are wired, to the way that we're created. And it's all there because the world has been seized by principalities and powers headed up by devil, the devil who holds us in bondage by the fear that he creates through the death and the dying process. But secondly, notice that Jesus came. Why? To break the power of him who holds the power of death, and that is the devil. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and death is his primary work. By becoming a human being through his life, through his ministry, through his teachings, but especially through his death, Jesus broke Satan's stronghold on the world. In Christ, God's unfathomable love defeated evil itself. In Christ, God's life defeated death. God's wholeness defeated destruction. God's light vanquished all darkness. In Christ, God brought about the death of all death, the destruction of all destruction, and led captivity captive, praise God. So that in Christ, all that looks like, smells like, tastes like, feels like, or is associated anyway with death has been literally put to death. Christ the Lord is risen today. Amen. And in Christ, our sin, everything that held us in bondage, our sin, the condemnation, the alienation, the sickness, the disease, the hostility, has all been put away. The devil has been defeated. Now, the world hasn't caught up to that reality yet. We don't see that manifested yet. We still live under the demonic illusion that that's not true, but it's just a matter of time. Before that illusion is dispelled and the kingdom is fully manifested in this world. But even now, in the midst of a world that still is under the death grip of these principalities and powers, even now, kingdom people can be, need to be, and ought to be free from the thing that he uses to hold us in bondage. And that is fear, which leads to my third point. If we understand and internalize. We don't just theoretically believe, but we internalize the meaning of the the resurrection. We can be completely free from all of that. And that is really the highest form, really the only form of freedom that there is. Jesus' resurrection, think about it this way, Jesus' resurrection is the sign and the proof that the devil was defeated on Calvary. When the Lord of death is defeated, the one who put him to death can't possibly stay dead. That'd be a contradiction. And so in defeating the Lord of death, death no longer has a hold on him, so he rises from the dead. And when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he shared with us the spoils of his victory. He shared with us the life that he won on Calvary. He unleashes into this world, literally now, a new kind of life. It's resurrection life. It's God's eternal life. It's what he calls abundant life. It's God's own life. It's life that is characterized by God's love, God's joy, and God's peace. In fact, it's it's brought to us by the Holy Spirit who is God himself. It's a new kind of life. And this life is not... Threatened by death, and it's not threatened by the the process of death because God Himself isn't threatened by death or the process of death, and He's the one who lives in you and breathes new life into you if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. We literally, when we surrender our life to Christ, we participate in His resurrection. We participate in His resurrected Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus raises us. The same power that was was in Him is at work in us. The same Spirit that defeated the devil. And overcame death abides inside of us. And if we understand that and believe it, and most importantly, internalize it, it roots out all angst, all fear, all dread of death, of decay, or of anything. I, I, uh, I think I can honestly sit up here before you uh, and, and say, uh, I don't have any fear of death. I really think I'm free of that. I used to have it. I used to obsess with death, but... I feel totally free of that. And you should, too. Because I know that while my body is wasting away, I'm still a stud, but even for me, it's slower than most, but but it's wasting away. But I know that the life in me lives forever. I have resurrected undying, incorruptible, imperishable life that pulsates through me. And so in light of that, if I know that, if I internalize that, and if I walk in that, how can I possibly fear the cessation of this physical body? The resurrection of Jesus frees me, therefore, to live boldly, to live freely, and to be motivated in all I do, not by fear, but by joy and by love and the power of the Holy Spirit who resides within me. And I don't fear the aging process, and neither should you if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not the most pleasant thing in the world. But so what? I know that in time I'm going to have an ageless body, a transformed body, a resurrected body, a body that doesn't get sore elbows and infected toes, praise God. A body that is in the that, that, that is as God originally designed bodies to be. No more aches and pains. So believing in and internalizing the resurrection frees me to live gracefully and frees me to age gracefully. I don't need to cling to the youth. No, I uh, want to take care of myself because I want to be of service to the Lord as long as he wants me here and and it's good to be healthy. I encourage that, but I don't need to desperately cling to it. Let it go. Let it go. Let the river flow. And I know that no matter how old and decrepit I get, I can say with perfect integrity, the best is yet to come. (laughs) Amen. Believing in and internalizing the resurrection can make you an incurable optimist, even if the world is literally going to hell in a handbasket and your, your body is decaying in a terrible, terrible way. Certainly you can say the best is yet to come. And I don't fear unfulfilled dreams. I don't have angst about that, neither should you. Look, in a fallen world, most people don't see most of their dreams come true. That's why it's fallen. I mean, that just goes with the territory. And I also know, and maybe you do too, that even when you fulfill your dreams, they're never quite as fulfilling as they promised earlier on. Have you noticed that? Because usually what we do to fulfill our dreams is not what we're really dreaming about in the first place. But see, I don't worry about that now because I know that someday all of my dreams will be fulfilled. Because the one that my heart truly craves, I will be with eternally. And the life and the significance and the joy and the peace that I long for, the meaning and the purpose, the fulfillment that I long for, the fullness of life that I long for, I will have in him throughout eternity. The reason we chase after dreams like bigger houses and bigger boats and, and all being sexier and all that other kind of silly stuff is because we're screwed up in the head. Uh, what, we're really, what we're really longing for is Jesus Christ. We just got our homing device mixed up. But see, when you, when you know the resurrection and you know Jesus Christ and you've internalized that, it sets you free from all of that. The resurrection frees you to accept life's limitations and therefore to live without disappointments. Think about that. And I don't mourn lost opportunities anymore and I don't even mourn past mistakes and neither should you, not if you're a disciple of Jesus. Because I know and you should know that God will bring good out of every mistake. God brings victory out of every defeat. And the Bible even says in Ephesians chapter one that he'll bring all things together under one head, Jesus Christ, which means he'll redeem all things. He'll bring redemptive value out of all things. And if you understand that, it means the resurrection empowers you to live life totally free of regrets. You learn from the past, and then you move on. Because life isn't in the past. Life is now. No room for regrets. Learn from it, and you move on. In Jesus' name. And because of the resurrection, I don't live in fear of failure. I don't fear failing anymore. Because I know, and you should know, that our worth isn't rooted in our success Our worth is not rooted in our success, so our core worth isn't affected by our failure. And I know that the one success I really need, I've already won when Jesus rose from the dead because when it comes to eternal life, Jesus is my success story. So even if I failed miserably at everything I tried in my life starting now, it wouldn't affect the core identity that I have, it wouldn't affect my core worth. It wouldn't affect my sense of fullness of life. The resurrection, therefore, frees me and frees you to live boldly. It frees you to take appropriate risks. It's, it, it frees you to strive for new heights, to never settle with what is, but to be venturing out, to stick your neck out once in a while. It frees you to dare to enter into new relationships, even if, even if yes, you've been burned uh, by a dozen of them already. It frees you to be creative and Fun and, 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 and in an in a, in appropriate way, fearless and, and risky in the way that you do life. You get out of your comfort zone. You get out of the safe zone. That safe zone is a golden prison that's keeping you from being fully alive. And when you fail, you realize that it's just a, an opportunity to learn. You dust yourself up off. You get, out, get up and just keep on walking. The resurrection frees you to do that. And finally, I want to say, the resurrection frees me uh, from worrying about money. No, of course, I think about money and you think about money and as our economy is tanking thoroughly and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better, we need to think about money. It's God's money after all. So you think about it, but, but we don't need to chase after it like Jesus said. The, the, the pagans chase after, you know, the, 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 what am I going to wear, What am I going to eat and what's, what's going to be over my head? And Jesus says, don't worry about those things pursue God and the kingdom and God will take care of those things. Because of the resurrection, I don't need to worry about money. I I, I want to be a good steward, but I don't worry about it because I know and you need to know that we've got an eternal inheritance of unsurpassable, endless wealth. We know that we are the richest people on the planet a trillion times over if you know that one truth. You've got an inheritance that's coming and it's good. Just a little amount of time before you actually cash in on it. So the resurrection frees you to not cling. The resurrection frees you, if you understand it and internalize it, to live with outrageous generosity, to give to the poor, to give to the kingdom. The resurrection frees you to discover the joy of giving. And there is no joy like the joy of giving. The bottom line is that the resurrection means we can be free from fear, free from angst, dread, worry, anxiety. Let me put it like this. Lock this in. There's nothing that we can acquire and nothing that we can possibly lose that affects the core of who we eternally are. We have the eternal life of God residing within us. And you know you're going to live forever. Acqu- whatever you can acquire in life isn't going to add to that one iota. And whatever you can lose in life isn't going to take away from that one iota. And if, so if your identity is in the life of God within you, What is there to worry? What is there to fear? You can live your life as though you've lost everything that's losable and acquired everything that's acquirable. You are a free person. Folks, that is freedom. That is freedom, to be free of that pervasive anxiety, fear, dread, angst. That is the definition of freedom. Pink Floyd, I think, brilliantly captured one way of looking at the dying process. It's inevitable, it's pointless, it's sheer loss, and we live in fear of that. But the resurrection empowers us to completely reframe the meaning of death and the dying process. The dying process, which we're all involved in, isn't always pleasant. In fact, it's usually unpleasant. But from the perspective of the resurrection, we can reframe it really as a process of being birthed. Think about it like this. As Christ's death was a stepping stone to him entering into God's life, so also our dying process is a stepping stone to entering into God's eternal life. What the enemy intends for evil, God can use for good. The train is picking up speed toward that wall, and we don't know when it's going to hit it. But we can know, and we must know, that just on the other side of that wall is the train's true destination. And somehow that totally changes the meaning of the wall. Instead of being just a negative thing, it's an arrival sign. <laughs> Finally, you've arrived. Changes the meaning of it. It's part of a birthing process. You know, a baby inside the womb, so so nice and safe if everything's going right. It's got all of its needs met. This is the only world it knows. It's very, very happy. All it needs is its thumb. That's all I need. And, and it's just going along really good, enjoying itself. And then one day, that poor baby, the, its world literally starts crashing in on it. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And I don't doubt that that baby thinks it's dying. This is the end. This is the apocalypse and the world. If babies could carry a sign, it would have a sign. The end is near. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I realize that this whoosh, whoosh, whoosh on it is pushing it towards this little tiny can- can- uh, can- channel. Uh, and it's like, I-, I ain't going through that little thing. This clearly was not designed for me. And the mom's thinking the same thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, that thing's going to crush my head, which it does. You know, it's like, okay, so this baby is freaking out because it's thinking it's dying. But see, if only it could know. If only someone could tell it that this is a process not of death, but of being born into the real world. Uh, And so it is for us. The aging, dying process is sometimes like the world craving on it. Whoosh, whoosh, shoulder doesn't work. Esophagus shrinking, toe infected. Knees don't work anymore. What the heck is that pain? Uh, Things start shutting down. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And see, if you're, if you're walking in ignorance, there's no good side to this. It's just death, you know. It's just quiet desperation. But see, if you understand, if you believe, if you internalize the meaning of the resurrection, that whoosh, whoosh, whoosh now becomes the process of being born. What the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. And so we can understand that this whole world is sort of like we are little little, little babies in a gestation period. And there are contraction pains, as Paul says in Romans 8, and they're not pleasant, but you've got to know that what's on the other side, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's what's on the other side. You're going to have a transformed body. There'll be a transformed world. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There'll be no more cancer, no more death, no more war, no more racism, no more violence, no more the devil, no more the principalities and powers, no more sin, no more darkness, no more hatred, no more blindness, and no more infected toes. Amen, amen. Close your eyes for a moment. I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to seal this message on our hearts and help us to take away what we need to take away from here. First of all, I want to say this. If you're here this morning and your life is not surrendered to Jesus Christ, you need to do that. Now, I didn't ask, do you believe in Jesus? Because you need to do that, of course, but what matters is, is he Lord? And he's Lord if you're surrendered. That means... That means making him the driver of your life. Turning over, letting him be in the driver's seat of your life. You don't live it your way any longer. You live it his way. And if you're not in that situation, you need to be for this to apply to you. And so right now, in your heart, surrender your life to him. That's not a magical little thing you're going to do. You've got to do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But start right now. Surrender your life to him. And if you do that right now, there's no magical prayer or anything like that. It's just, a, it's just the intention of your heart. Just say, Lord, take my life. I turn it over to you. I will now seek to live life your way. And if you make that decision, I want you at the end of the service to come up here and tell the folks, we have a prayer team up here, tell them the decision you made so they can pray with you and seal this. And it's very important because if you make that decision, the enemy hates it and will try to steal it away from you. And now for all people who are surrendered. You have a birthright to live without angst. It is your birthright. So I want you here to let the Holy Spirit bring to your attention one area where you're not cashing in your birthright. Where there's fear in your life. Where there's dread. Maybe you have a lot of areas, but right now focus on one. And try to represent that in your mind. Whether it's youth or... Some will represent, what does that look like? And hold it in in, in your imagination in both hands with, with all the fear that that represents and give it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I give this to you. And as you do that, just pray this kind of a prayer. Lord, help me live without fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. I know that I'll live forever so I don't need to fear losing this. I let it go. I let it go. And Lord, replace my fear with your life and your peace that passes understanding and your joy that is beyond words. Empower me to let go of everything I need to let go of. Empower me to not cling. Empower me To die to my earthly self, so it's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives within me. Empower me to be free of all anxiety, dread, despair, fear. Holy Spirit, we just seal this in our hearts. Seal this freedom total, unconditional, uncompromisable, unquenchable freedom freedom from fear. And we end by saying, thank you, Lord Jesus, for defeating the enemy, rising from the dead, and freeing us. We who all of our life lived in fear of death and the dying process. You have set us free and we give you praise. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. He's risen. Hey prayer teams, would you come up here? Prayer teams and if you're here this morning and you surrender your life to Christ, come up here and talk to these folks about it. And if you have any need whatsoever that you'd like to have prayed for, come on up here and they'll be glad to pray for pray for you. Live in freedom, go out and build a kingdom.